You're listening to This Motorcycle Life, conversations about why we ride. Episode 49, Those Who Wait. I'm Bruce Philp, and thank you for listening. Well, what drives motorcycling's late bloomers? Why do some people take this up at a point in their lives when they've got so much to lose? Well, you're about to meet someone whose story suggests that maybe that's the point, and whose attitude is about as far as it gets from the stereotype of middle-aged bikerdom. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I'll share it with you in just a moment. But first, let's take care of a little business. With November now behind us, I want to say thanks to the listeners who stepped up to support the Movember Foundation in the name of this podcast. Well, their numbers were small, but they were mighty. Thank you, Tim Skloss, George Galbraith, my buddy Chris Smith, Bill Iserman, and a special thanks to Mike Burgrave for stepping up. If it was on your to-do list to help, donations still count for the current year until the end of December. Look for a link in my show notes. And I also want to offer a special welcome to the people listening to this show on Spotify. Well, this podcast has always depended a lot on the Apple platform for some reason, but something happened in 2022 to change that. TML is now among the top 5% most shared podcasts on Spotify percentage-wise at least. Well, I don't know how you found us, but I'm really glad you did. Welcome aboard. And with that, why don't we get started? The theme for this episode came to me in a Tim Hortons, or more accurately, as I was leaving a Tim Hortons halfway through my last ride of the season. I caught my reflection in the window, and what looked back at me was strikingly different from the way I was feeling in that moment— how I felt was more like Tom Cruise crossed with Ewan McGregor. How I looked was like an unremarkable guy with a mop of gray hair who should probably have skipped the donut. And for one brief spell-breaking moment, I wondered if what the other folks in line saw clomping towards the exit was, I can hardly bear to say it, a motorcycling cliché. And if not for me, then for all the listeners I've heard from over the years who took up riding in the middle of their lives, I thought it was time to talk about that. Popular culture trains us to make certain assumptions about motorcycling's late bloomers, that we're having a midlife crisis, that we're filling an existential void, that we're trying to turn back time somehow. And although these may not be the kinds of things we'd admit to ourselves, I also know, and you probably do too, they are very, very far from the whole story of what it means to choose this life when you've already lived so much. And that's why Catherine Mead was the perfect partner for this conversation. Catherine Mead became a motorcyclist at the age of 46, but not for any of the reasons I listed a moment ago. She was already an accomplished professional and deeply committed to community service, the week we connected, she was being honored as one of the most powerful women in Canada by the Women's Executive Network. She's also a lifelong athlete, an inveterate traveler, and those are just some highlights from what seems to me a very full life. Catherine Mead wasn't bored. 
She wasn't regretful about unfulfilled potential. She wasn't chasing lost youth or a sense of purpose. But she still got a motorbike and then did some pretty rad things with it. Well, to find out why, I reached Catherine Mead at her home just down the road in Toronto. Catherine, thank you for speaking with me today. I, I know it took some doing to fit this into your schedule, so I'm uh, really grateful for that. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I'm, I'm just glad you want to chat. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad we were able to uh, find the time. Um, I'm always happy to talk motorcycles, so it's, <laughs> it's all good. You said that the first time we, we made contact, you said that to me, and I thought, okay, we're going to get along just fine. She's a biker, and... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Although it's funny, I always say, you know, there are bikers and there are people who love motorcycling. And I'm I'm likely in that second group uh, of uh, people who love uh, motorcycling. Um, I may, uh, there might be a question about size whether I'd fit into biker culture, but I certainly fit into a culture or a world where uh, folks love uh, motorcycling. So it's funny how people resist that label. Um, and maybe fairly uh, so. I think that people would, uh, true bikers might not put that label on me, consider me a poser. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. <laughs> but not so much uh, that, I, yeah, maybe it's just uh, a good offense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, remove myself before I get removed. Uh, so something like that, yeah. <laughs> well, so let's, why don't we dive into it. Um, yeah. In my introduction, um, which people will have just heard, um, by the time they get to this point, I will have inter- I will have introduced you, <clears throat> and I will have s- explained a bit about who you are, and that you're an accomplished professional and someone who's you know passionate about doing good things in the world. <clears throat> and this is not going to paint a picture of somebody who's missing something in their lives. Um, you're not going to sound like somebody who's in search of a purpose or meaning or stimulation. And yet, at the age of forty six, if I have that right. Um, you took up riding motorcycles. So I hate to task you right off the bat with a long answer, but I really want to hear uh-huh. that story <laughs> all the way from the first inkling to the day you got your M endorsement um, and, a, and a bike. What happened? How, how did this erupt in your life? Um, well, you know, that is a good question. And sadly, you know, it probably is a bit long, but um, no, I well, I or maybe it's short because I've I've always been fascinated by motorcycles and with motorcycles. Um, but uh, I grew up. My my dad was a um, uh, a Baptist minister, so we moved around a bit. And when we were in um, a very small uh, community in Nova Scotia, um, a teenager. I was maybe ten or something, and one of the local teenagers. She was fifteen, uh, riding with her boyfriend uh, in fog. And he lost control, and um, and in the end, uh, she she was killed. Oh, and like this was like a cautionary tale for all of my life, uh, you know that uh, <laughs> motorcycles are bad. Uh, you know we saw what happened to Jill Link, uh, you know, and so that was really um, um, uh, it. And it was really my 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 parents' fear, primarily my mom's, that sort of kept me from. Um, uh, exploring that all that much. And then ultimately, uh, since at some point we're living our own lives and not our parents' lives, uh, I decided I would actually go for it. And I must admit there were, there were a couple of times that I was gonna, and then, oh, you know, getting to the weekend, there seemed to be some reason or the next why it, it didn't happen. 
And um, and then finally, uh, when I was able to do it, uh, there were a few things, but not the least of which was by then I'm in my mid 40s. And, you know, if you're going to talk about, you know, classic, um, you know, middle age crisis, there you are, you know, riding, you know, getting a motorcycle uh, license and, and, you know, adding to that, I'm a lesbian. So it really sounded like one big stereotype. Oh, um, and I thought, well, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> That's not going to stop me from doing it just because it happens to fit into a stereotype. So uh, I uh, I went for it and, you um, my sort of gateway vehicle, if I'll call it that, was I, I first bought a Vespa, a 250cc Vespa, and um, and that was sort of kind of just to ease into it, more like ease my mom into. Uh, I had the, you know, it's not, it's not a motorcycle, mom. It's it's a scooter. I tried to really downplay it. Um, as you may or may not know, uh, although it looks like you have a 300cc Vespa, it has pep. Oh, yeah. But I tried to make it sound like, oh, it's really much, it's kind of like a moped, really. Um, uh, anyway, but uh, so that was uh, that was it. And in fact, quite interestingly, um, my it was red, and my first motorcycle two years later was burgundy. It was a burgundy. Um, uh, Harley Sportster, uh, and for the longest time, my mom didn't really realize that I had that. That was a new, you know, it was just something on two wheels that made her very unhappy. Um, and so I was able to, um, you know, get away for a while with her thinking that, um, uh, you know, I was still riding this moped. Um, uh, anyway, so, uh, but nonetheless, I did it. Um, was thrilled. I, I must say, um, I got I got my license at a time, so it was 2011. It's not like that long ago. But I got it at a time when in Nova Scotia there were a few things that aren't the case now. Hmm. But number one, you just you did the course, and then you just waited 30 days. You'd go into um, uh, you know Nova, it's like Service Ontario, but Access Nova Scotia, get a new thing, and you had a full motorcycle license. So it was just the passage of 30 days. Um, and as well back then, um, I, or I don't know if this has changed, but you could do the license on a scooter, and as long as it was 150 cc's, um, you got a full, you got a motorcycle license. So I did the scooter course. And I uh, got my motorcycle license, my full motorcycle license from doing a scooter course. Oh, wow. um, so two years later, fast forward two late years, when I actually want to ride a motorcycle, and uh, I didn't know how <laughs> uh, because uh, I hadn't taken the course. And then by then, um, if you you know the only way you can sort of learn how to ride a motorcycle is if you take these. Uh, fairly expensive full weekend courses um and then any of the sort of um refresher courses are like bring your own motorcycle mm. but there aren't sort of these courses where you can refresh your skills and they provide a motorcycle so i had that awkward in between stage where i i owned a bike but didn't know how to ride it but had to get to the place where the course was being offered mm -hmm. um so I just want you to know that wasn't pretty if you're trying to think about how that went as I was stalling my way all through town and figuring out I learned on uh, that went to um, 
really YouTube and tried to figure out, oh, this is, oh, that's what the clutch is and all that and <laughs> sort of God's honest truth. Um, so it wasn't pretty, but I did get to Humber College to take the course to, uh, it was the refresher for other people. I wasn't really offering up that it was actually me learning. Um, uh, anyway, but so those are some of the, the, the sad parts. And of course, actually picking up my bike, uh, the motorcycle, I got it. It wasn't in town. I bought my uh, motorcycle out of town in, in Woodstock, Ontario. <laughs> and of course, I had to get the bike from where I bought it to Toronto, where I live, to take the course the next day, right? So anyhow, all that to say, there were some moments that they weren't pretty, I might as well be honest, and I was I took secondary roads, which was not only good from a safety perspective, but there were few fewer witnesses as to what kind of situation was going on with me, um, you know, using my YouTube, my, my newly found YouTube motorcycling skills to get home. Um, but anyway, thankfully, that's all behind me. I've now been riding for... Uh, years and all over our continent and and elsewhere, so it's uh, it's all good. But it wasn't a pretty start. Let me just say that. Yeah. Well, look, um, I so I was going to ask you about that in a minute, but I'll ask you now um, because you're talking to somebody who had his first motorcycle delivered. So you know, oh. I so so much <laughs> much respect to you because because um, I, I I know Woodstock and I know Toronto and I th- I'm sure that most of that trip was you know fairly calm but Toronto is still Toronto so <laughs> so so my question was going to be um, is this because you're brave is this a typical Catherine move or 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 what does it reveal about you that this is how you you decided to solve the problem of getting a bike with a clutch. Yeah, you know, that's a, that, I'm not sure anyone can interpret really what that says about me. But one thing certainly is that, you know, I'll get it done. Right? <laughs> if that's to get done, that's, I'll get it done. Right. And it, uh, it just so happened that, you know, that's where I bought the bike. Uh, and um, uh, it was it was off of a um, wasn't from a dealer. It was from a, a person. So delivery wasn't. Um, it was a private sale, I should say, because yeah. uh, dealers are people too. <laughs> so what I mean rather is that I got it from a from a, a private party, and uh, yeah, delivery wasn't in the offing, <laughs> and um, so that was really uh, that was that was really it. Um, and uh, and yes, you're right about the phases of my return home. So one was um, that riding from, you know, Wood, Woodstock to somewhere outside of Toronto, and that was one set of um, circumstances. And I must say, like, so I had been riding the 250cc Vespa before. That's the only thing I'd ridden that was motorized. And the... Um, the Sportster was, uh, you know, it's an 883, right? So nearly 900 cc's. Um, and so it's, um, if you imagine something like, um, well, I don't know if you've seen the Calgary Stampede or some sort of like <laughs> bucking bronco situation. Yes. But um, that's really what I had going on uh, there because it kind of would take off. And uh, uh, so I had that moment, which was moments. Sorry, I would love it to be singular, but really, it's it's plural. So I had these moments, and um, 
but at least, you know, you're going straight and blah, blah, blah. When I got to Toronto, the issue was stalling all over town, man, because I didn't really know the clutch. And the, like, so you can get away with things like on a, on a highway, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but when you actually have to stop for red light, I don't even want to tell you about what it took like on a hill. Because I hadn't gotten to that part on YouTube yet, and uh, uh, anyhow, that that's a whole whole other scene. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so yes, that scene that was all quite uh, quite interesting. But I guess really it does. Um, I am someone who, if I put my mind to something, um, I'm I'm going for it, right? And uh, there might be issues, and I just have to solve it but I'm going for it. Nice. And so uh, that's really, yeah, I guess that is what it says about me, yeah. among other things like, you know, what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it might say some other things too, but that's it. Well, it, it's, well, I think it says, you know, honestly, biker things <laughs> to, to refer yeah. to our, the earlier part <laughs> of our conversation. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to get back, just back to this motive thing for a minute. So it sounds like there wasn't just a, a day when you woke up and said, it has to be now, I have to get a motorcycle. So that's cool. Um, but um, when I read your profile on the Women Riders Now website, a phrase caught my eye and it had to do with something like reaching a point in life where you have to put your own needs first. Um, and as we talked about when we exchanged emails prior to this interview, that resonated for me a little bit. Um, and I couldn't, but I couldn't help noting that in light of your vocation for community service, that was, it, it struck me that that was a possible explanation for all this. Um, and so I wonder, was that a theme here or did getting a bike have anything to do with, um, I don't know, self-care uh, or was it more towards the indulgence end of the scale? How would you, looking back on it, characterize your motive? Um, to the extent, extent that I would describe it as self-care, so I don't have kids or, you know, so there are some other people, there are a lot of people and a lot of women who have like other human beings who are relying on them for everything from food to, you know, you name it. So I, I don't, I don't have, um, such, such folks in my life. So it wasn't that about putting my needs, you know, putting my needs first. But, you know, if I was going to characterize anything, it really would be about, uh, I mean, it, it actually is no small matter to, um, you know, mention that, I, you know, I knew my, my mom would be stressed by that situation. But, you know, seriously, I've given her all manner of things to stress about in my life. So, you know, that's really just one of them. Um, but, uh, and, and certainly uh, she, I mean, as I went on and it was very clear, this is what I'm doing. Uh, you know, every, every large trip I went on or really just any time I rode, if I was coming to visit, now you're not bringing your, they're not getting, you're not bringing that thing, are you? Uh, you know, so there was, uh, she, I can't say she ever warmed up to the idea. Um and uh, I, I mean, I, I made sort of light of it earlier, like, you know, at some point we live in our own lives. But that really is it. That, yeah. It, it, and it's really about, um, yeah, you might have some concerns, but that's really uh, so be it. Because um, really, I am indeed um, living my own life. I always have. And so, um, so, yeah, I would say that for me, it, it was also more about, I don't, I, I certainly wouldn't have characterized it as, um you know, uh, putting my needs first. 
but it was more about um, exploring something, ta- taking the time because you have to do courses and whatever and, mm. and invest a weekend and whatever it might be there. Um, but just taking the time and making the time to do something I've always wanted to do. Mm. And so um, that was really it about finally, finally doing it. Um, and um, and so, yeah. And that's that is what I did in uh, in 2011. Yeah. Well, yeah, fair enough. Um, and I think you know, just you know, I, I'm going to make references to your you know CV at various moments during this conversation because it's so impressive. And and um, you know, I think that's I think that's lots of responsibility. <laughs> so it, it wouldn't have shocked me if if you'd said that uh, this was a way to to sort of create a boundary there, but. So you you started to write a blog about your experience, and and I think in that um, piece there was an uh, an article about the obstacles you felt that you would face becoming a writer, um, or the obstacles that that anyone in your position might face. And the one that caught my eye was fear, um, which is a subject we've talked about on this podcast a few times. It's a big part of writing. Sure. I think, but I think when you're not a kid anymore the fears that sort of stay with you begin to take root in experience and they get harder to shake. Um, and at least that was my experience anyway. And I wonder if you looking back, uh, think that's true and, and how you dealt with that fear. Um, yeah, I, for, for sure. Fear is, is part of it. Um, and, and you're right. Cause when you're younger, it's like, you know, you know it can't happen to me. I don't know. People are asking, what's going to happen to me? And, and then we get older. It's like, oh my God, it is going to happen to me. Like <laughs> right. something shifts where you like, and every, it goes from, it can't happen to me till in every likelihood it will happen to me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and for, uh, for me, thankfully I can't say, uh, that's where I was, but, um, you know, there's fear, fear all the time. Um, I just was uh, I was just overseas and um, and riding in some pretty treacherous um, conditions. And, you know, I I'm I can't for some reason I can't shake being a lifelong learner. So it doesn't matter whether it's uh, pure academics. And I'm, of course, I'm working on another uh, another, well, uh, graduate diploma. So I can't seem to stop going to school there, but also (laughs) in terms of of skills. And so, um, you know, I've, I've taken every time I get a new bike, I, I take a, um, a course from uh, RTI, uh, the Rider Training Institute, and um, the I've done an assortment of, of um, courses on, uh, you know, off-road riding. And then and in fact, the, the, the women's rider now, um, uh, I guess it was an art, uh, whatever the entry was that led you to the um the trip I took to Colorado, but that was a training tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I've had now had some training and I'm, I, you know, so fast forward to Nepal just to uh, just six weeks ago. <laughs> right? You know, most of the time I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fine. And I've gotten, I now have a number of years behind me and I have taken, uh, you know, an assortment of courses um, but yeah, you're riding uh, our our first night. It's a you know, much longer story, but uh, night fell, uh, and we were nowhere near. Our whole tour group was nowhere near where we needed to be because there had been a landslide and some other things. Um, and so we're riding at night, 
in rain, you know, in another country <laughs> on the other side of the road. I mean, like, what else do I want? You know, what else can you add to it? And the roads were all messed up and washed out and all this. And this is what we're riding in. I would love the story to be. And I was thinking, hey, I'm a great rider. Are you kidding? <laughs> I was writing thinking like, okay, just focus on that. You know what to do. I was doing like, trust yourself, trust the bike, trust yourself. Like all these things, that, you know, mantras that we uh, learned in, in, in um, uh, courses. Uh, uh, so yeah, you know, there's, um, you know, but I think it's there's some healthy fear. It's when it becomes paralyzing that that's, that's problematic. Yeah, um, but yeah. I think there's some healthy fear that gets, keeps you, um, uh, a keeps the adrenaline going and keeps you focused um, because you're, you know, the bites are very unforgiving. Um, so yeah, um, millisecond of not paying attention and things can go, uh, you know, uh, off. Mm. But um, yeah, and you know, my challenge when I was in um, um, in uh, five years ago did a motorcycle trip through southern africa and um the roads there were really quite challenging too and so again you're riding standing you're riding standing up and all stuff but i didn't have the training behind me that i did in colorado i didn't have that in 2017 and i spent my you know there's all these different versions of the story right mm-hmm. how was the trip in south in, in africa oh it's beautiful oh there were animals like really there there is a there's a whole bunch of very honest versions of the story right so yeah, yeah. you know one is yeah the experience of your riding and it's and all honesty in botswana looking up and seeing in the distance elephants crossing the road like seriously how awesome eh. Can it get more awesome? I don't think so. Then there's the part, of course, we're in uh, 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 Namibia, and uh, the whole time, really, uh, that would, with the state of the roads, and you're riding standing up the whole time, and they're mainly dirt roads, and it's corrugated, but the opposite direction that you're going, like it's uh, horizontal in front of you, and you're riding, if you say you're riding vertical. Yep. And seriously, and then these big sandy ruts, and I spent the whole time going like, okay, don't, don't dish the bike, don't dish the bike, don't dish the bike. I, I, you know, but I didn't have any skills, so I didn't get. I mean, it was, uh, you know, by the end of my three weeks, I wasn't like, oh, whatever, bring it on, I'm ready. <laughs> I didn't get any better because I was just doing the same thing the whole time, which was, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And, uh, <laughs> Okay, don't dish the bike, don't dish the bike, don't dish the bike. That was kind of what I did for uh, three weeks. Um, and so uh, that that whole experience, while beautiful, was very different than um, Nepal or even what happened, you know, our time in Colorado, because I had the training behind me mm-hmm. to um, know how to handle that terrain. Um, and even by the time I got to Nepal, I had the Colorado experience to go like, you can do this. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, you've done it before. You can do this. Um, in uh, Africa, there was no, was there no, you can, it's more like, you, you can't do this. Because in fact, I had <laughs> gone to um, uh, California to take, Southern California in 2014 to take, because uh, I knew one day I wanted to ride in, in, in Africa. And I know that. Uh, you know, while I was reading, not all the roads are um, paved. So I went to this off-road motorcycling course through a company called Rawhide, and mm-hmm. that was awesome. And it was it was a four-day training. Uh, the first two days, you're at their kind of ranch in uh, I don't know what to call it actually um, ranch ranch course 
amazing course in um, uh, Santa Clarita, and then you did two days in the Mojave Desert. You drive in for a day, stay overnight, and you drive back, ride back, right? So fantastic. So the first day, great, I'm learning a lot of things. The second day, um, the very, very, very last exercise of the second day before we were going into dinner, this was it. And uh, I, it might even have been optional, but you know me, oh, I'm going to try it. Anyway, so I tried it and I, to this day, don't exactly know what happened. All I know is that not only did I ditch the bike, the bike fell, I get, my foot got caught between a um, a log and the motorcycle as it fell down. Um, and I was not wearing um, adventure boots. I was wearing touring boots. Um, so uh, I just be clear that they, they kept my, they asked to keep my boot as a cautionary tale for everyone <laughs> else because the way it was all ripped up. Mm. Um, anyway, and so, yeah, everyone went into dinner. I went to the hospital and the next day, everyone rode into the Mojave Desert, and I drove back to LAX, and I flew home. <laughs> so, um, you know, the only experience I'd had off-roading uh, prior to getting to Africa was, in fact, me going, like, <laughs> way off uh, and ending up in the hospital. So, um, anyway, uh, that. You know, that was my, uh, that's the only experience I had when I was in Africa, so I didn't even have a, so you can do it, remember, remember how it's like, no, don't remember how it went down in, in California. So, you know, all that to say, um, uh, yeah, tra you know, training really makes the difference and, and, and helps to shift from, it's not even because I, I can't say what I had in Africa was a was a paralyzing fear because I, I, I went through it. But I, you know, the, it really significantly affected the enjoyment factor of the whole experience when um, when there was, uh, you know, there was ever present um, fear. Whereas in Nepal, it was more like just, a, hmm. yeah, this is. Uh, you know it's, it's a little treacherous here but you you know you got to trust yourself trust the bike you're you're good the bike is able it, it's made to do this um and um and i i knew that to be true and we proved it time every day so uh different different story yeah i'm going to ask you to talk about africa a little more in a minute because uh, it looked amazing and harrowing to me um <laughs> <laughs> so just sort of just to pick away a little bit more um, on the experience of kind of becoming a writer, um, yeah. I have the sense that this madness it took a fairly strong hold on you. You the blog was a bit of a tell, right? So so when you're kind of you know transformed by an experience like this, you want to share it, and 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 you know that's kind of why this podcast exists, honestly. Um, and so I so I could tell that this wasn't just another notch in your belt, so to speak. That this mattered to you. Oh. And so I wondered if you could talk a bit about how motorcycling worked its way into what was already a pretty full life. I mean, how, what was it like finding time to ride? You know, did you find community or not? Did you have to give things up to make room for this? I mean, you know, was the whole thing easy or not easy? What, what reflections hmm. would you have on that? Yeah, yeah, th those, are, those are good questions. So um, highly coincidentally, very close friends of mine um, in Ottawa we all got our license at the same time, but um, unbeknownst to each other, right? I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know they were even. I knew one of them rode years ago. Oh wow! I didn't know. So um, and so that one uh, renewed her license, and um, 
uh, and the other um, got her license, right? Uh, and then, I, yeah, as I said, I didn't even know. And um, at the same time, I was getting mine and, and riding. So um, a couple of things in terms of just riding around town, like this one thing, and I, I encourage people all the time because you, you hear people go, oh, I don't have time and on weekends and this, and that's like, do you, do you drive to work? Yeah take your bike, mm. right? Like back when we actually would leave our houses. <laughs> so right now I would be weird to have a motorcycle in the house to come to work. But um, so back when we used to go to work, um, yeah, I just took, I took my motorcycle every day. Mm. Um, and unless it was, you know, it was pouring rain on my way out the door. So that might be a different story, but that's how I, I rode all the time. And then as well, um, you know, life in Toronto, half of the battle is trying to find a parking space right. and the other is, you know, <laughs> paying for it. And you're in the restaurant. Oh, whoa, did I run out of time? Um, and um, as you may or may not know, um, at at this moment, because I feel like any day it will change. But at this moment, um, parking a motorcycle in Toronto is free. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, that's also an awesome op- excuse to take the bike. You know, you're going to a movie, doing whatever, take the bike. Uh, and that really eliminates that whole where am I going to park? And do I have to mortgage my home to park it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's all. So anyhow, I just so I actually just bring. Um, yeah, I just it's part of my life riding, just my day to day living. I should say running running errands. You know, I've got um, saddlebags. I can t- I'm buying groceries, whatever it might be, unless you know it's eggs. Um, but um, but anyway, so that's how I do that. But in terms of the um, you know, larger trips, um, my friends in 2016, 2015, and that was, I got my 2011, then 20, I started riding the motor, I made the shift from the uh, Vespa to the motorcycle in 2013. And in 2015, these friends were, um, they decided they were going to go to PEI. And, um, uh, and so I joined them. So I, you know, started from Toronto, met with them in Ottawa, uh, did an overnight, and then we left together from Ottawa the next day. And then um, the next year in 2016, they um, uh, mainly that same core, but there was a couple of extras. We decided to go down to um, Tennessee to do the Tale of the Dragon, and so we rode down together as well. And um, 2017, we, again, uh, kind of not talking to each other, but it all decided that was the year we were going to do major trips. So uh, one couple, they went to, um, uh, they drove all the way, rode all the way down to San Diego and then up the Pacific coast and then flew back from Vancouver and had their bikes flown back. And that was the same year that I went to Africa. and um, so anyhow, we've done all these, you know, 2019, we went to the gas bay together and then uh, been dealing with COVID. Uh, but this past summer, we went, we did Northern Ontario together. So, um, so yeah, that's worked out well, that in addition to my day-to-day commute, blah, 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 that's also been a really uh, 
really, really amazing opportunity to connect with friends while uh, doing these longer rides, uh, discovering uh, our country or going down, going down to the States. And, you know, when we went down to the States, I mean, well, anywhere we go, we're usually a group of four or five. And when we went down to Tennessee, there were seven of us. Mm. Um, and it, it seems to be, it doesn't really matter than the, the but people seem to know when, when women ride in number, it does catch uh, people's uh, people's attention. And certainly that trip when there were seven of us uh, riding, um, we certainly um, uh, caught attention as we were riding together. That's for sure. Um, but anyhow, so there's been lots of enjoyment on a sort of recreational level as, as well, just the day to day. So if I'm going to have a bike, I'm going to use it. Mm. That's that, that's my feeling. Even it if took, it's took this long to get it. Even if it's an R9T, which is a beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I I have to say I I um I have a love affair with my bike. Yeah. So yeah, I've got people have pictures of their kids. I have uh, pictures of my bike uh, like show, uh, but. Uh, yeah, although you know, uh, and and I talk about this in 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 the blog, um, but I um I bought my um uh, I bought a Triumph Bonneville after my um, Harley, and my for me, people will have their own feelings, but for me, riding a cruiser, which is certainly great from a you know, you're able to flat foot if someone, I'm not that tall. So mm. it's great to have um, a bike that you can be uh, flat footed on. But um, riding in the city, riding a cruiser in the city, um, you know, you're, it's your rider position and just where the wheel is and people are trying to cut you off and, and clip you. Uh, I, I found it wasn't a great riding position where, so anyway, I ended up getting the uh, a Triumph Bonneville and that at least, for me, I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, it, it made me feel more nimble just from um, the riding position um, there. And uh, so I bought the the um, the Triumph Bonneville, and man, people, you know, like the bike. They're always talking about, oh, I had a, you know, my brother had a Bonneville, you know, whatever the story is. Um, but I, then I made this fatal. F- <laughs> I made an error and uh, just three weeks after I bought the bikes, uh, well, I had bought, I had purchased it, but, but after it got delivered, see that bike got delivered, got it from a dealer. Um, so three, three weeks after I, I had the bike delivered and I'd been riding around and, Oh, this is great. Then I erroneously um, went on a women's um, BMW um, testing day or riding day uh, in Newmarket. So right. I rode out there and it was wonderful. And I, I had read about the R9T. So I, I had, I was on a list, you know, you say which bikes you want to ride. And so they gave me the R9T and, uh, you know, I started it and then we went on the ride and I came back. It's like, oh man, I was in love with that bike. Uh, but I just had, I just bought, I had already bought a, a, a brand new bike. Um, and so I, uh, you know, <laughs> there was a song back in the day. I talk, what's it? Uh, uh, it's, it's sad to belong to someone else when the right one comes along. Anyhow, that, that's kind of, it's hard to belong to someone else when the right one comes along. That was it. But yeah, it was like, it's uh, hard to have a brand new bike when you're, you know, when you found the, 
the bike that's really for you. Uh, <laughs> but I waited a respectable two years, and I think that's important. Yeah. Um, and then I got rid. I uh, yeah, I bought the. I it had to go, but. Um, and I have not looked back. So, you know, whereas I had gone through, you know, a couple of, I was on my third bike in three years or four years. Um, I ha- I will, I don't see um, uh, changing my R90 anytime soon. Yeah. I, uh, I love it. Well, there's a lot to love. I, I adore that bike. If, if I, I would have one if it wasn't for the fact that I had to go out to the barn and pick which bike was going to get sold to make room for it. And I just couldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> they get to be, correct. they get to be like yeah. horses after a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you, um, how your friends reacted, but it sounds like they reacted by, by getting motorcycles. So that's awesome. Cause my friends acted like yeah. I joined a cult. Um, <laughs> yeah it, it was as i said it we i didn't even know because you know they're in ottawa and i'm at that point i was in halifax um and um and not even in toronto and we didn't i happened to be visiting them i think in may and it was like yeah hey you know what i'm gonna do i'm taking the course and they're like oh we just got ours wow what um so that was just coincidental and then what's been great is having the opportunity um to ride together so it's really a core of four of us and we've been uh riding we've done each trip um together and then there's been some additional people here and there yeah. um but yeah it's been it's been really awesome I wanted to ask you um, just a little bit longer on the blog for a second. There was de- there's definitely a hint of evangelism in it, and you know you you don't make any bones about this not you know this not being completely a rose garden. Um, I seem to recall a, a terrifying passage regarding um, going to Prince Edward Island on the Confederation Bridge oh. <clears throat> uh, that, that didn't sound like a good reason to promote this <laughs> to, to no, people correct. everywhere. And yet, um, so I, I wonder what what were you personally experiencing in those first years that made you such an advocate for doing this? Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I just, and I want to make sure that I don't forget it, but I do want to just say something about the blog. So um, I'm kind of, I, it's a stretch to call myself a, a Luddite, but I'm not really, uh, until very recently, I haven't really been all that, uh, you know, active either on Facebook or, or LinkedIn or anything like that. Um, and you know, social media, I, I see it has a, has a place in our world, but I didn't necessarily uh, see myself, um, you know, closely aligned. Um, but I was doing this course at U of T, uh, U of T continuing ed. I told you, I can't stop going to school. <laughs> um, and so, and there was a course in, I don't know, did, well, really, uh, I was, I'm doing a, a, a certificate in strategic public relations. And this foundational course, like you couldn't get around it, um, where you either had to do a blog or worse yet, a blog oh, wow. or a, um, a, a, um, a podcast. Right. These were our three, I think, our three options. And it was like uh, the lesser for me, the lesser of three evils was um, doing a blog and um uh, but I had these lofts. It's like, okay, well, if I have to do a blog, I should do it on, you know, and I was really trying to change the world in my blog. And, you know, my right. partner is saying, you know, uh, why don't you just do it on like something you enjoy, like motorcycling or something. It's like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, no one cares about shit. So, you know, you should do it on your motorcycle trips. I said, no one cares about my trips. So I then talked to my sister 
It's like, oh, I have to find something to do a blog on. And and she says, you know, you should do it on your motorcycle. I said, I'm like, no. you guys care because you know me. No <laughs> one cares about my trips. Um, and then uh, when we had the class about the blogs, they said, you know, just do it on something, something you can talk about all day. It's like, oh, well, yeah, my tricks. <laughs> I can talk about those all day. People would probably argue I can talk about a lot of things all day. But anyway, uh, so that's how I ended up doing the blog. Um, and it was not. Um, and even when I did it, uh, I had had all these entries and I had done like kind of no one would know that the blog existed. And then we were coming close to the end of the course and you actually had to, you had to, um, you know, be speaking to what kind of traffic you got and da da da. So then I, um, I put out something on my LinkedIn account, on my Facebook account. And then I'm like on these, women BMW groups on Facebook and women riders, Facebook, something other. And so I put in a few people places and just said, you know, I'm doing this for a course. <laughs> Please just go to the site. Like, it's not even like, you know, I'm not saying you'll enjoy it. Just go to the site. And then uh, if you have something to say, uh, what, you know, construct, it can be positive or negative. Please just weigh in. And that's sort of how I got some interest in the blog. And it was before the end of that first day that I first heard, I had heard from Pat Jacks, who had that, who was doing the training tour in, um, in Colorado. That's how I ended up doing the, the training tour in Colorado. It was because of the blog. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so back to how I became an advocate. I, I mean, as I have to say, I'm not like, you know, an advocate for writing writ large, uh, you know, sure. You know, I think it's important. That's great. But really, it's about all the women I have met who said, I've always wanted to ride. I've always wanted to ride. You know, riding. Oh, you know, I look at you on the motorcycle. I want it's like, just do it. Just do it. Like, you know, and there's every excuse under the sun. And believe me, I had them. Um, but it's, you know what, just just try it. Just do it. And it's like, all I can tell you is, uh, uh, you know, the longer you take, like it's, it's going to just keep not happening. Um, so, uh, you know, just take the course and, and do it. Um, and I find it, I, for me, so again, I can't speak for anyone else, but I find writing, uh, very liberating. I, um, you know, not just in terms of how we can park uh, anywhere. That's also very liberating. But just the whole experience of riding is great. And then, wow, it's such a great way to see the world. And, you know, I'm a, I've been a passionate traveler uh, most of my life. And so I've had the um, fortune and privilege of uh, from, uh, maybe it's around 50 countries that I've been to. Um and um, then, you know, since 2015, I've been able to combine my sort of passion for riding and my passion for travel together. And that's when, you know, started these uh, trips, as I was mentioning earlier, to PEI, to here and there, and then became going uh, uh, elsewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's just that you see the world differently. Listen, I travel, just to be clear, uh, with my partner, we go on cruises. Uh, um, we do that because that's. That's the way that she likes to travel. I um, 
you know, I'm more, I, you know, I've done Machu Picchu. I've done, so I'm still uh, doing more adventure um, uh, travel with or without a motorcycle. Um, and, um, and yeah, the, but you just experience a place very differently. The smells, the just people, eye contact with people as you're riding past them, people that will actually talk to you that simply doesn't happen when you're in a car. Yep. Right. And yep. so, um, so yeah, I'm, and uh, so, I, and I think, you know, if I, I just really encourage more women to do it, I, I, to be honest, I'm also an advocate of a lot of things for women to try. <laughs> Football's another thing. I, I used to play competitive flag football after, um, my career as a as a university sprinter and um just trying to get you know if you get talking to guys i don't know if you're one of them but you'd think it was like nuclear physics and the next thing is how to throw a football right so <laughs> you know these things are all very complicated very complex oh my goodness you couldn't possibly understand and so i've also been a a real advocate of just get showing women how to throw it yeah. and how to catch and realize yeah. that it's not it actually isn't rocket science or nuclear physics it's just uh understanding um uh although understanding the physics of the ball does help but um uh, but anyway, so there's a number of things that I uh, these these things that seem to be the domain of of um, uh, guys, and then there's this mystique uh, around it. I like to sort of cut through that and help women realize. Listen, there is no mystique, no mystery. It's about time and exposure, and so make the time to expose yourself to this thing, and you too can uh, you know enjoy um, what comes. Right. And certainly with uh, with uh, riding a motorcycle, I, I, you know, there's a lot of joy in it for me. And um, uh, I hope it is for other folks as well. Yeah, well, I guarantee you that's true. And, yeah. you know, since you asked if I was one of them, um, I have my faults, but I, I'm, I'm, I think I have a healthy suspicion of any large group of men all wearing the same clothes. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so, you know, so we, another and time you. we can get into the <laughs> backstory, but, um, so, so, uh, so I have this theory, which <clears throat> lots of, um, of uh, our fellow riders will probably disagree with, but I kind of think that you you can't really ride till you've got three years under your belt, and you're not really safe till you've got five. <clears throat> this is my arbitrary thing. So, with four years under your belt, um, you decided to go to Africa, and it was an organized tour, but it was no joke, from what I can tell. Um, so, I would love you to tell me so what the structure of that trip was, where you went, and anything else you want to share because it seems like it was an incredible experience. You know, bittersweet in in some ways, complicated but uh, incredible. It, it really was, um, and so I went through a company. You know, a lot of a lot of the trips that we take, if you look online, they're mainly in U.S. dollars. And then you're kind of you're hedging about, oh, do I pay it all up front or do I pay in uh, um, increments because installments, because, you know, who knows what the Canadian dollar is doing, you know, all these things. And um, and, you know, they're generally they're pretty steep. So actually a difference of a few cents on each dollar actually can make a difference. Uh, one of the things that's one among many of the things that was uh, awesome about the company I went went with, they're a Canadian-based company. So the dollar was the dollar was the dollar. So that's that's first off. And it's, it's a company called Renadian. 
And the owner is Renee and he's Canadian. I'm guessing I actually haven't had that conversation. I'm pretty sure that's how uh, he came up with the name. <laughs> and uh, he um, he rode around the world. I, I think his job either. I, I don't know how how he came to not be working. So either he, you know, I, I don't know if he was downsized out of a job or he left a job, um, but ended up. um motorcycling around the world for three years and then decided he loves it so much he wanted to create opportunities for other people to do that and that's the business he's been in now for a number of years um and so uh uh it and the bmw dealer here every once in a while they would have him come so i actually had met him uh, in advance and had a sense of what he was about and then um and then ultimately um, uh, did the, you know, signed up for the trip. And we were talking to my partner because realizing, you know, I'm going to be away for uh, a month. And um, uh, not only was she supportive, she said, you know, the thing is this, well, that's the way I talk. This, this is my paraphrasing her. The thing is this, you know, we have <laughs> your, your, well, here's what we know. You're healthy um, and strong enough to do it now. And we don't know how you're going to be you know, in a couple of years from now. And that was very true. I have a number, I, I was, um, as mentioned earlier, I was uh, an athlete in my uh, younger, uh, younger days, although still active now. Um, and I have all these friends that were, we were jocks together and they're not here today, you know, whether it was cancer or something, the other, whatever happened. And it was like, you're here now, you know, you're healthy now, mm. do it. And so, um, so that was awesome. And uh, that's, really about all the, um, uh, you know, analysis that went into deciding to do it in the year that I did it. Um, and, um, it's, uh, so that one was a three week trip that started in, um, Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. Uh, we met there. Um, we actually were not on bikes yet. So we just uh, had the experience of Victoria Falls and some other parts of Zimbabwe. And then when we got to Botswana, um, that's where we um, got our bikes uh, from a company that's based in Cape Town. And so we got our motorcycles in uh, Botswana and rode from Botswana through Namibia and ended in Cape Town, um, South Africa at the rental place. And we gave our bikes back and uh, took uh, took a taxi to, to the hotel. Um, the experience uh, was really, truly um, uh, incredible. I, it's, it's hard to, uh, I'm, I'm at, I'm of, I'm of two minds. It's hard to say. I, I do believe that it was early in my riding in my motorcycle riding um, experience to to do it, mm. although I had been riding, um, so I'd been riding motorized vehicles, if you include the two years of a Vespa. Mm -hmm. uh, I was sort of six years of riding motorized vehicles, but um, four years of riding a motorcycle. And as I mentioned earlier, the, you know, there, there was something everywhere. So in Botswana, it was the um, potholes that literally, it's not so much they could swallow your bike, but if you you could actually do significant damage to your bike, if you went through them, they were so deep and so big. 
um, that you could uh, wreck your rims. Um, but I know even when we say potholes, we're imagining potholes as we see them, which is here's a pothole, a pothole, then a little bit down the way, there's another. But these were like in um, in a hole, 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 hole. So you were doing like a slalom right. to get to go uh, around them. Um, uh, so that's what Botswana was all about, the potholes. Um, Namibia was all about the dirt roads. Um, and in, by the time we got to South Africa, there were these sheer winds that would literally move your bike. Mm. And so I would know that there was a gust coming because, you know, we had a set riding order that we had the whole time. And the, Renee, he was number one. I had position number two. I would see his bike shift in front of me. <laughs> then I knew that I had a gust coming <laughs> towards me. Um, and, uh, and so that was, you know, so there's that version of the story, right? Is that, oh my goodness, there was something to deal with every place we, every country had a, but I have to tell you, it was, uh, the trip of, uh, it, it was really a life, life highlight. And I have been extremely fortunate in my life to have many highlights that a lot of other folks just don't get to have but this one is really um at the at the top for me um and so in addition to um you know we had the riding part but it was also there was also very much um you know experiencing where we were and so um in in moon m-a-u-n i think it's pronounced uh in botswana we actually did an overnight where we flew in a um uh a, a a chartered small plane to um, the Okavanga Delta. And um, uh, uh, it's a, uh, you, we went on safari um, that day, then we're overnight with animals all around us and hearing uh, animal sounds. Mm-hmm. We were in tents. Uh, and then the next day, again, we, we went on another safari and then uh, made our way back. Um, and in uh, the one or two nights prior to that, in uh, we went to Chobe um, National Park, and um, we did a you know you do an evening river um, river ride. Maybe they call it a cruise, but that's uh, that's I wouldn't I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> um, and uh, that's when the animals come for their last bit of water or whatever at the end of the day. And so there are you know hippos and elephants and literally. 15 feet from you maybe 20 um and so uh and in uh the okavanga delta i i i lie not there are lions like maybe 10 feet if that as they're coming up to the to the um jeeps and such uh, I must say it was much more comfortable watching them come to someone else's Jeep and not just, just get a picture. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, I digress. But uh, anyway, so that but that that was really uh, an incredible, incredible trip. I do wish that I had the um, the skill that I learned in Colorado. I wish I had it in Africa. Mm. But the truth is it doesn't matter. I mean, in that kind of terrain, I could have ridden 10 years. um, And if I hadn't learned, if I could be riding 10 years in the city, and that wouldn't have made me any more comfortable riding in in uh, on those dirt roads, right? It's about learning how to like the technique around um, 
riding off road, yeah. right? And 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 shifting your weight on the pay, like I'll, I'll, yeah, it's one thing to know that you stand up, but there's so much more going on, right? Yeah, how you take corners, how you do all those things. So that's what made um, Nepal so enjoyable by comparison, and in some ways the roads were worse um, than in uh, in Africa. Um, mainly because we were like going up and downhill it was mountains as we're like dealing with gravel and all these things rolling rolling past us so um so yeah that's the so i was um i was inexperienced as a motorcyclist uh four years um but really there's nothing there's nothing in our on our roads in north america that are going to prepare you for the roads in um uh, at least not in uh, in Namibia anyway, mm-hmm. uh, you actually have to off-road and get some uh, training and some comfort there to be comfortable riding um, in uh, um, in those uh, conditions. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's an interesting insight because I think there are a lot of us who, you know, we may have been riding for X number of years, but it turns out that it's really just one year, you know, of riding X times. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, not uh, uh, <laughs> asking for a friend, as they say. Um, yeah. I, I wonder, so I will definitely provide a link to your blog for people so they can see the pictures and, and, and get the raw. Sorry, yeah, please go ahead. It, yeah, can I say, I actually um, was able to, through Black Friday um, um, deals, I actually have my my um, address has changed. Okay. Because I, now I now have the domain. So it's the number two wheelandsister.ca. Okay, perfect. That will take you to my blog now. WordPress doesn't need to be there or anything like that. And I sort of, I, I, I you know, as soon as the course was over, I haven't written anything in the blog since, right? Um, but it's, uh, you know, what's what's missing, there are now a number of trips that aren't there, including Nepal. Yes. So uh, I thought, you know, why don't I just, because uh, when I went there the other day, um, um, having given you the thing, I looked and there was like a bazillion ads, like you couldn't even, it's like, <laughs> wow, because that was there my first free year, I guess that wasn't happening. <laughs> and so, and I haven't been there in a really long time. So anyhow, I thought, you know what, uh, there's this great deal going on now. So I bought the domain name, I bought whatever, and uh, there now aren't ads every time you turn around. Uh like every three lines, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's twowheelandsister.ca. Well, and the reason I mention it is because specifically because of the pictures, because you, you I, I remember those potholes and you're not exaggerating. <laughs> um, and so I guess the, the question I had was kind of like, um, how did you feel when you got home? Were you a different person? Did, was, did it, was, did you get transformed <laughs> by that experience? Uh, absolutely. Um, in a few different ways. Um, you know, I've been to Africa twice. Right? So the first time I went, it was, I was part of an uh, NGO, non-government organization delegation for the um, United Nations World Conference Against Racism in uh, 2001. Um, and when, when I went there, I, um, on that trip, rather, we uh, did a safari and did some other things. We were there for the actual conference. Um, and then I then I came home. Just as a complete aside, I got home at 
this was in 2001 and I got home and I only, I left the conference a little early cause I was still in, in law school. Um, but I got home at around 10 30 PM on September the 10th of 20, 2001. And of course the very next day was September 11th. Yeah. And, um, a whole bunch of people at the conference got, they, because the conference had been still going on, lots of people were still sort of stuck overseas for another couple of weeks and, and all that. So yeah. I just happened to um, have come home when I, when I did. Um, but I can remember even at that point, I had I had done a considerable amount of travel at, at that point, nothing near like what I've done since 2001. But that was the first time ever, like ever, that I... Um, I was I was teary, and you know we don't know each other, but let me just say that doesn't happen very often <laughs> with me. Okay. And I was teary at the airport, and I was like, "What is going?" On? It's like, yeah, I'm, I said I feel like I'm leaving. It, it's the first time ever that I had a had a sad feeling about leaving a place, um, and so I, and it was so interesting too because I had this idea in my mind that I was going to be get back to Africa, like. In you know maybe another five years, I uh, they were uh, I was I was in law school at the time, and I know that um, uh, South Africa was using a charter, so I was like, oh, can I get back as a as a lawyer? You know all these things about how I could come back. Next thing you know, uh, it's sixteen years later, <laughs> having not gone back, and now I am there on a on a motorcycle trip. Wow. Um, there were a bunch of things that made it transformative for me. Um, and, um, you know, as we would go through towns and, um, you know, I would, we've got, as you know, we've got helmets on and full face helmets yeah. and I would always, um, raise my, um, visor. So people would see like, Hey, there's a black rider amongst these riders. Um, and, um, and, you know, just looking at, uh, I remember passing once a, um, it was a truck full of, there were kids. <laughs> we don't want to get into the safety. of like, there were a bunch of children in the back of an open truck. But listen, uh, but I remember just the look, they were just jumping up and down and pointing when they saw me. Um, and, um, uh, you know, those moments are pretty transformative. They were for, for me. Um, and um, I, I uh, was... You know, so yes, there were these moments of oh my lord, there's potholes. Oh goodness, there's uh, you know, <laughs> every moment it felt like I was going to ditch the bike in Namibia. Um, you know, all these things. Um, but that's really, I would take that again in a heartbeat to um, have the experience I had um, there in this particular trip again because we're in bikes. So I said, you know, you're you're just you interact with people. You you can interact with people you're passing. Um, in very different ways than you can in a car um, and just experiencing uh, all of that. And I, for me, it was, um, uh, it was transformative in a, in a, in a number of ways. Um, and um, yeah, it was just a, a really um, a amazing experience. Sorry, I guess I would add, cause <laughs> 
if this is a podcast as a black <laughs> woman. <laughs> so what might not be, have been, uh, you know, so clear. We haven't, I haven't put that out uh, yet. Uh, but yeah, as a black woman, uh, this is, uh, these are the things that really, it just really, really, really um, uh, resonated with me. Things I learned along the way. Um, uh, and then just these experiences, right. Where, um, I mentioned uh, a moment ago, like I'm in a boat here and elephants are 15 feet away from me, max. And there they are like getting some water and wrapping up their day. And, oh, there's a hippo over there. And just, um, just that experience. And then, as I said, we're riding along and there were sometimes ostriches would be, I don't know why they were almost like a pup, you know, like they're kind of chate, they're along the side, you know, like what a dog might do to a, uh, a male person or something, a male carrier, but yeah. you know, they would be running along, um, uh, you know, there's just cattle, um, uh, all of those, um, all of those things. And then, as I mentioned earlier, like they, and, and I don't even know, there aren't words for the experience of here we are on our road, motorcycles, and we were, you know, it's paved road. This was uh, in Botswana, so paved road. You're dealing with um, potholes, and uh, you look up, and then there's elephants in the distance crossing the road. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, you can't, you know, if someone, you know, I don't know who came out of that non-transformed, but, you know, that's that's almost uh, an accomplishment or something, but yeah, I, I, you know, and then also there's the experience of certainly when I got to, to South Africa to see what hadn't changed since I was there in 2001. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when I was there in 2001, um, you know, going to Langer township, which is outside of, it's a township outside of um, Cape town and just the sea of, I don't know what to call them. I don't think huts is the right word, but there'd be four wheels, uh, four wheels, four walls and uh, and, and uh, a roof. But the walls could be garbage bags, seriously, and the roofs, I don't know what they could be. Um, and that, not only hadn't changed, I, I think that that was even bigger than it was in um, in in 2001. Mm. And so to see the progress that hadn't happened. Um, and, you know, I happened to just by chance, there was a, an acquaintance of mine who lives in um, Durban and um, Durban, South Africa. And um, uh, as I'm traveling along, you know, I'm on Facebook. So I did, my sister made me. So I posted along the way, on the, along the way, oh, here I am, I'm here, I'm there, oh, here's some pictures. Um, and then she's like, are you in Africa? It's like, yeah, 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 whatever. She goes, are, are, we're, are you coming to South, South Africa? I said, yeah, I am, but I'm coming, you know, we're, it's in, it's in Johannesburg, right? That's where I, I was going to be going to Cape Town in Johannesburg. And I know she lives in Durban, right? So, I mean, it's like people go, oh, I'm coming to Canada. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to be in Vancouver. Can you meet me? Right. So <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell her, Hey, I'm going to be in Cape Town. You know, maybe we can get together. Um, but she actually said, Oh, I can, you know, she had a good friend in, in, um, in Johannesburg. Um, so I, I, I met her there. And, uh, certainly that was, the very most authentic part of my um, trip entirely, but that's, you know, that's, that's, that's another story. But, um, you know, she said that, you know, really they feel like they're an apartheid 2.0. Mm. 
is, uh, you know, so it might be certain things are, um, are now not, um, uh, uh, part of, um, an organized, um, government program of, um, um, segregation and, um, and subjugation, but, uh, there are still, you know, the, the, the progress has been glacial. And, um, and so that was something that really, I was really quite taken aback by and, and witnessed, you know, it's not just about hearing. So I, I already, it's like, yeah, I can see that. Mm. Um, so that was also, um, quite, quite an interesting, um, um, part of my uh, part of my time but yeah that'll be that's a kind of a trip of a lifetime um one reason would be the price point (laughs) 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 why uh, that was a one-timer um but you know it's the best money ever spent right so um uh but yeah it was really really uh an, an incredible um experience and my most recent trip to nepal that also was for very different reasons um also uh an amazing amazing um experience right and so yeah you know just the the type of trip that you have on a bike right i'm yeah. repeating myself but it it is different than driving or flying from point A to point B, and then you get there and you go on a couple of tours by bus or whatever you do. Uh, it's it's very very different doing it by bike. Yeah, that puts an interesting light on um, uh, the sort of the next question I was going to ask, and this was raised um, in my mind by your trip to Colorado, um, the one that's uh, discussed on the Women Writers Now website. And I, when I was looking at that stuff, I I started to wonder whether you were starting to merge motorcycling with other things that mattered to you. Um, and if that's true, um, whether that was a conscious choice or whether um, that kind of integration is just inevitable. And I just wonder if you want to talk about that for a second. Um, am I reading that right? And, and, and if so, how is that for you? Um, you know, I, I think that unintentionally that is what happened. So I I would love to say, listen, I took a view of my life and I thought, you know, you should try and do it. So I, I can't actually say that I had this grand plan and, and it all came together for me uh, in, in Colorado. Um, but uh, I, I think that's ultimately, it, that is what happened in terms of, um, uh, you know, the experience. So when Pat Jake's, uh, it, it looks like her last name, you would probably be inclined to um, pronounce it Jacques. Um, it's J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Right. But um, they were in the, they're in the States, so she goes by Jake's. Um, uh, as I said, she the day of my blog, she reached out to me, and I'm like, well, I don't know who this person is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then uh, so she... Uh, likely um, anticipating that said, listen, just um, here's my TED talk. Here's my whatever. And if you want to meet, you know, we'll talk. And um, and so uh, she then told me about what the trip was about and what the trip was looking to accomplish in terms of, um, you know, it was a trip that was had some sort of sponsorship by um, a company, See Me Beauty. And um, it's about, you know, healthy um 
you know, makeup and other skincare products, uh, but for the average, uh, you know, average everyday woman. Um, and I, I guess that their models um, for any of their campaigns are just, you know, re- regular average women and not like uh, uh, typical models. Right. Um, uh, anyway, and so that all sounded great. Then she said they were... Um, uh, they were actually then doing these, um, uh, it was essentially like a documentary, a several part documentary. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't even really fully understand well, but I, I liked notionally uh, what she was, what she was doing and what she's looking to accomplish. Um, and I thought, well, it's great. You know, we were still in, and it was, we were coming off the peak of the pandemic. This was uh, summer 2021. Right. Um, but, you know, and, and literally it was uh, while I was there that you could get back in the country if you were um, um, vaccinated. Like there were like this was in 2021, all manner of things were, were happening in terms of even leaving the country. So yeah. I wasn't even sure I bought my ticket. But I wasn't actually even sure I would be able to go. Um, And, you know, I work for um, uh, OLG, Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation. And, um, you know, we had had ministers here in in Ontario, one in particular, who had, you know, gone off to St. Bart's at Christmas. And, you know, that (laughs) didn't play well. And it's not that, listen, anyone's going to look at what is Catherine Mead doing? But, you know, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing, you know, I certainly wasn't, I didn't want to be um, going outside of any sort of public um, uh, public safety edict, so right. to speak. Yeah. Um, and so I, I only really knew I was going to go away on that trip probably about three, two and a half to three weeks before I actually left. Mm. And so she knew, we knew that that was always the case. It would just depend and, and things shifted. Uh, I think I flew out on Canada day and um, things were shifting. There was a significant shift that was taking place uh, July 5th. So that by the time I came back on July, so all of that and feeling that that was, that's the direction things were going. I felt like, okay, yes, I can, I can actually go. Um, and, and so I did. Um but, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, what she was looking to, now, I, you know, I had no idea, really, the, the depth of, I, I had no idea what kind of experience I would have there. And the experience of not only learning the skills, which is huge, because that's, you know, then I've, that, learning what I did off-road actually improved my on-road riding. Mm-hmm. Um but um, uh, so outside of those learnings, just the experiences of so it was it was an all women trip. And even though the the guy who was the um, um, uh, photographer and videographer, I guess, I, he's actually um, uh, a um, National Geographic photographer. Oh, wow. um, so that's, you know, you might know his some of his. Um, some of the things he captured was quite uh, were quite incredible, mm-hmm. um, but uh, and he just he believed in all this uh, in in the trip and had met uh, Pat and uh, and he signed on. Um, but um, so he yeah, so there was him. There was another guy who was um, uh, who rode the support truck, drove the support truck, 
And um, there was one other guy, I don't actually remember what his role was actually, um, but that was, and they were like very clear, do not help. We, if we want your help, <laughs> we will ask for it. Um, and so watching women as we, you know, we did the, and, and you can see in the videos and, and you know, there are a couple of different, but you can certainly see in mine, um, uh, you know, the we were doing the, this river crossing, and you know, a lot of the women, myself included, we ended up ditching our ditching the bikes uh, because we didn't follow the instruction. Uh, I know that's why I um, I, I spilled, mm. uh, and you know, but just the strength of women who are like there, but boom, like up, it was the bike was back up and ready to go, um, but just. Um, just the the whole uh, that whole experience was pretty uh, pretty incredible. And then like uh, so many trips, you're like, oh, you know, I it would be so awesome to just have some sort of record of all the beauty that we saw. And then we did because it was being uh, you right. know they're making a, a documentary of it, so uh, you actually can see some of the spectacular vistas that we we saw making our way through the uh, Colorado Rockies, right? So that was just, that was an amazing experience. I took so much away from it beyond the skill, which was huge, mm. huge, huge, huge. Um, but so I got so much out of it um, uh, in addition to, to the skills. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looked like an amazing experience. I, of all the things you've done, that was the one that seemed like I might be able to, you know, cross that bridge and do something like that. Cause it seemed really amazing and also useful um absolutely you got that that's exactly right that's a perfect summary statement yeah. it was amazing and very useful um i want to touch on a on a, a couple of, of quick things to do with um i guess i guess the word's identity so by the time we're in midlife i mean the cement is pretty much dry you know in in our characters right and and, yeah. and kind of battle tested and so you know, if you start writing at 20, you know, you can, you can, <laughs> this harkens back to our, the conversation we had at the beginning. Um, if you start writing at 20, you know, if by the time you're your age or my age, <clears throat> you know, you can legitimately call yourself a, a motorcyclist or a biker or whatever language you choose. But if you bring this into your life a little bit later on, it seems a bit more fraught. And I wondered, you know, did you, th did you think there was room in your definition of yourself um, for for being a motorcyclist as a, as a thing you are, as opposed to a thing you do. Um, or is that something you were even, you even wanted or needed? What, what do you think about that? You know, that's a good, um, that's a really great question. Um, as someone, you know, I have, there's an assortment of things, uh, uh that are uh, part of my identity, right? So I'm sort of a poster child for intersectionality as a, you know, I'm an openly lesbian black woman. You know, there's all there's all these <laughs> other things. You got a motorcyclist. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a dumb, <laughs> dumb question, actually. <laughs> yeah. No. So it, it's uh. So I I it's not part of. Uh, it, it is something I do more than something I am. But you know, I I I I, I say that. Um, and, you know, it's something that I do, but I'm very passionate about it. So um, uh, it's hard to, you know, there's other things I do. I, 
you know, I might cook, although my partner would say you do not cook. <laughs> uh, so maybe I should say, so I read, but, you know, I don't identify as I'm Catherine Mead. I'm a reader, um, you know, so it is something that I, that I, that I do. Um, but, um, you know, uh, certainly uh, it's a, it, of one of, of the things that I do, it is something that, um a lot of people take note of. Um, probably there aren't a lot of corporate VPs that go around riding motorcycles. I guess that might be a part of it. Um, but um, uh, so, you know, it might uh, stand out a bit or actually, you know, for all I know, there could be a bazillion corporate VPs that do that. So I need to, I need to dial that back, but it's, um, you know, maybe, uh, I, but I do know there seems to be some sort of novelty around it um, um, at, at, in work at work and other, other places. Um, but, uh, it is something that a lot of people know about me. Um, and, um, so, you know, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll just say, I'll say that. Um, so it ends up becoming a part of my identity if you know me, right? So if you don't know me, maybe you don't know that unless I'm walking in with a helmet, then you can piece that together. <laughs> um, whereas other aspects of my identity, um, you know, you meet me, you know, I'm black, uh, you, you meet me, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a woman. Uh, it depends on your level of whatever, when you meet me, if you can also figure out that I'm also lesbian, but you know, it may or may not come up in conversation, but these are things in my identity that are, um, um, you know, very much a part of me and often, uh, very, um, evident, mm-hmm. um, uh, whereas, you know, uh, I might have to tell people that I ride a motorcycle, right? So that's why um, I'm not so much, uh, not so clear that I would say that it's a part of me, but it certainly has become very much a part of sort of, uh, you know, what I what I do, what I'm passionate about, and um, um, has had a really big impact, you know, how I spend my time right. and who I spend it with, right? Yes. It's, right. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's ended up, um, having a, a real impact on my life. And, you know, I, I've said, and I said in my blog, sort of my only regret about, um, learning to ride a bike, um, is that I took so long. Right. Right. I didn't do it till I was in my mid forties. Um, and you know, if I had that to do all over again, I would have done it. I would have started earlier. Um, but, um, you know, you do what you do when you do it and you're certainly not going to spend time. Uh, <laughs> I can't go on. Oh, oh, I should have done it earlier. Well, I didn't. So deal with that <laughs> and, uh, you know, make up for, you know, and on some level, maybe I am making up for lost time, right. In terms of, um, you know, there's lots of people who have been riding all their lives and have never ridden uh, their bike, ridden a bike um, on a different continent. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, it's not so really it's not it turns out to be not so much about, um, you know, how much time, but what you're doing with the time. Yeah. Yep. And so I've I've chosen to um, uh, integrate it and make it a part of my, you know, my my love for travel. Yeah. Brilliant. Good answer, um, and I guess it's sort of a follow up to that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, part, I, I'm gonna lead the witness a little bit here. Um, I think there is something um, life affirming about learning and mastering uh, something that's as risky and difficult as this is, 
um, at a point in life where it can be easier to coast or easier to stick with what you're familiar with. So I think people who do this, um, people who do what, well, what you and I have in common is starting midlife. After that, they, mm-hmm. <laughs> you you jumped you jumped a little bit into the deeper end of the pool than I did. But um, I think that people who do this are proud of themselves, even though I can never get anyone to admit it. So I'm going to ask you: Are you proud of yourself? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, Sure. I mean, if you if you haven't been able to get anyone to admit it, uh, <laughs> I'm proud that I'm the first person that you got to admit that I'm proud of myself. Um, you know, I I'm also though someone I, I, I'm I'm really um, you know this isn't the only thing that I've done later in life, right? So right. Uh, and and a skill that I'm I'm mastering later in life. And so you know, I was a as I've referenced a couple times, uh, ran ran track in university. Uh, I was a sprinter. Well, I ran track high school and all that. But uh, ultimate le- that highest level for me was university. Uh, then I, to the extent that I've done post university sport. It's been sports where speed and agility are, are of value, right? And then, of course, as I got older, oh, do you have to be as fast or as agile? <laughs> That's a whole other story. Um, and then, but what I have done in, um, you know, in the last year and a bit is um, I've done the complete opposite. So where it's been sports where my, it's called fast twitch fiber, but my my sprinting um, uh, physical makeup um, has been a value. Well, in the past year, I, um, with a friend, I've gotten into distance cycling. And so I did uh, 100, it's called a Grand Fondo, and I did a 100 kilometer one in um, the first weekend in August. And then ultimately, we were building, and I trained all through last winter and through the summer to do uh, in Vancouver the. Um, in September, the um, ride that you go from Vancouver to Whistler. Right. Um, so it's 122 kilometers, uh, about 6,400 uh, feet up. Um, and so, um, so you know, I, I am I am someone who uh, I enjoy. Uh, you know. I, I keep learning, uh, and I, I always enjoy uh, challenging myself and and trying new things and learning new things um, and uh, um, setting a goal and and doing it uh, and achieving that and as excited about achieving a goal today as I am as I was in my twenties and maybe I'm more so actually because <laughs> I have a, a greater appreciation for things. Um, and so certainly, um, you know, the fact that I ride is their pride in that, uh, you know, I'm proud of myself for riding, uh, you know, that I can't say, but certainly to have the stamina and now the skill to have done a trip like I just did in Nepal, I am proud of that. Mm. Um, uh, I, I, I really am. Uh, we were riding in some pretty treacherous, it, it was uh, a few things were not what the what the guides thought it was going to be like uh, because <laughs> no. there had been some um, 
changes, whether it's not supposed to be raining in October, and it was mm. some heavy rains and landslides and other things. So we, you know, it was all a time of discovery for, for, for everyone. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, yeah, the fact that I, I made that made it through that, and I was comfortable for most of that time. And um, I had so yeah, I'm proud of that. I am proud of uh, the trip that I did with uh, Pat in um, uh, in Colorado while I, Catherine Mead, rode through a river. Now I ditched my <laughs> I dumped my bike, but I got back on. And then when we went through, we did a, a, a another water crossing, and I actually listened. I followed the instruction we were given, which is don't look down, look at where you're headed. And then I made it through, and that's what I did. We we had water crossings in um, in Nepal. Uh, they weren't quite like the the deep river we had, we went through, but it's like, uh, but you know, you you learn. So yeah, there was pride, absolutely, in what I did. Particularly when I compare it to my experience in uh, in Africa, there is real pride um, that I uh, I did the uh, the trip in in Colorado and 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 learn some real skill. My my pride though in 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 Africa, even though it was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, was the fact that, you know, I did it. Right. I went there. I didn't go, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know when I did when I went to California, that didn't go so well. Maybe <laughs> I should just never travel on my well no, it's like, no, I'm gonna go. Um and I did it and I hung in the whole time, even though I was like, um, you know, I didn't back out. I didn't. Uh, and my man, the first day I almost got, I almost really had a, had a moment uh, the first day with our bikes. And I just thought, I remember thinking, there's no way I can't go home my first day. Uh, <laughs> and that's really what sort of kept me uh, upright. And I guess the folks, because I mentioned earlier, I was the second bike. So every God and everyone got to see this thing that was on display. And I guess there were a couple of couples that had um, cardo systems or something they were talking to. So it was like, she's going to ditch it. She's going to ditch it. And I know I kept it upright. But they, they needed to know that wasn't really skill. It was sheer will of, I am not going home <laughs> my first day. I'm not going to get injured my first day. And I, you know, and I didn't. But um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm proud. I'm proud of that trip because I um, I hung in. I did it. I didn't let the fact that I, you know, so others might go, you know, you're an idiot. But I didn't. Uh, I didn't let the fact that yeah, I'd been riding motorcycles for four years, only four years, um, and uh, I don't really know how to off road. Really, uh, that did not stop me mm-hmm. from um, doing it. And so there there is some pride there for sure, for sure. Um, uh, and, you know, which is different than, you know, these are all, it's not just that, oh, well, yeah, you're just saying you're like proud when you travel, but there's been certain, um, challenges that have come along with that. I haven't, I actually haven't traveled, you know, there are companies, Edelweiss and others where you can come and you get nice BMWs and rides through the Swiss Alps and all of that. Like I haven't had, I haven't had those trips yet. Right. <laughs> uh, my overseas trips seem to involve all my travel trips seem to be, it uh, seemed to involve adventure travel where you're riding standing up most of the time. Right. <laughs> um, so that I haven't done one where you get to sit on that lovely seat and, and watch things go by and, you know, with these. So that's really where the, the pride comes from our, is, is, uh, um, really mastering or, or making it through the challenges that that came from being in a place that's very very different than my day to day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, and actually, so I was going to next ask you 
a, a, a few short questions about how introducing motorcycling into your life might have changed you in other people's eyes. And it feels like maybe that's not particularly isn't going to be a particularly long conversation because it sounds to me like your partner has been incredibly supportive and knew who you were before all this came up. And it sounds like from a public and professional perspective, the character that you brought to riding was already in place. And so nobody, am I presuming too much here or, or no, you're, you're, you're right. And I'll go you one farther. When I rode my, when I had my Vespa, people would talk to me on my Vespa all the time. Like, all the time. Hey, I was thinking of getting a Vespa when I, oh, I had a guy and I had a, I was at a light and there was, I swear to you, there was a guy like in an 18 wheeler and he rolled down his window and it's like, so how's that thing on gas? I'm like, oh my God. So when I got my motorcycle, I remember my partner, uh, Kat, you know, name's Kathy, we happen to have the same name, but anyhow, so Kathy said, you know, I, you know, we ride your bike. I, I don't know if people are going to be, um, you know, I don't know if people are going to talk to you so much about, you know, you know, I said, well, you know, I don't know, but that's not going to stop me. People talk to me all the time. It doesn't matter when I had a Harley, everyone was talking to me about Harleys. When I had my uh, Bonneville, oh, my brother had a Bonneville. I used to have a Bonneville. My uncle had a Bonneville, but people stop and talk to me all the time. I'm not kidding. On my R9T, I, uh, People talk to me, oh, beautiful bike, nice bike. Oh, that's, hey, what is that? What is that bike? People talk to me all the time about what I'm riding. I don't know why. And I'm always, listen, I'm happy to talk about, I told you, I'm happy to talk about bikes anytime. So it doesn't, it doesn't really, it uh, doesn't really matter. But uh, it's very, very interesting um, that that has not made me as a, you know, as I'm coming off my bike or whatever is going on. It has not made me less, less accessible. It has not made me uh, anything. In fact, people just in general, I, to people talk to me anyhow. That's a whole other story. Um, but uh, and being on a bike has not stopped people from feeling like, oh, well, I don't want to say anything to her. She's uh, she's on a bike. People talk to me all the time. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, so, yeah, it hasn't had an impact of uh, making me uh, sort of less accept- and And at work, people talk to me about my trip because I posted um uh my uh, trip uh to Nepal I posted pictures from that on uh LinkedIn mm-hmm. and people just today I have been back for um, six six five six weeks and someone today hey I saw your pictures in Nepal like that was awesome. such a great trip people talk to me about um um biking being on my bike uh, um like people I know professionally talk to me about my motorcycling uh, a lot that's like now they have something to talk about right right beyond the weather uh it's like hey have you gone on any trips you know but most recently they all know <laughs> people know what i've gone on so no it's been uh it's been yeah people talk to me all the time yeah I, that is one of the benefits i find um <laughs> there's a another podcaster who's fond of asking guests um whether they're a different person when they're on a bike and um and and that's, I think, one of the ways in which we're most frequently different when we're on a bike. I certainly am more extroverted as a rider than I am as a, as an individual. But it sounds like you were born ready for this in some ways. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm uh, probably just you know just as a general rule, I just feel like what you see is what you get. So uh, yeah, I am who I am, whether I'm riding a bike, 
leading a choir. It doesn't matter what I'm doing uh, at work or I'm, you know, in on the field in sport. Um, you know, I'm still kind of the, I'm just the same, same, same person. Uh, I will say out of all the times that someone has spoken to me about my bike um, or yeah, about my bike, the time that was, um, uh, that stands out for me the most is I was downtown um, in the Young and Church area right in front of a place called the 519. It's right at 519 Church. And there's a lot of um, sort of street people and people in distress in that in that general vicinity. Right. So um, I was uh, getting on my bike and I was just fiddling around, you know, putting on my gloves and this and that. And I hear some yelling and uh, uh, one person was who who um, likely was had some addiction challenges, but she was yelling at this other man who was coming up, and I kind of was in the middle. They were they were on the sidewalk, and I was just my bike was off to the side, but on on the street. But I was kind of in the in in in, in the middle of them, and so one's yelling, and she's like swearing, "You take your cut out!" So she's like, <laughs> you know, so a lot of uh, f words and whatever that she's yelling and. The guy is coming towards her, which means it's he was coming towards me as well. Right, you know, right. I was so he's um so uh, back to you know she's like back this way and he's he's coming towards her and goes listen you want, want, want. looks like nice ride sister <laughs> <laughs> like didn't miss a beat didn't miss a beat uh, and I thought well there you go that's uh, really one of the the greatest compliments I had I had and this was well. Guys, in a moment of uh, stress, uh, and he had, took a moment out to, um, you know, compliment me on my bike. Amen. So there, there you go. As I said, <laughs> people talk to me all the time. So. <laughs> I wonder, um, actually, just before we, we start to bring this in for landing, I have a, a question. The, the story you just told raises a question that's a bit off-piste, but it would be um, a mistake, I think, to, to pass up the opportunity to ask it. Um, <clears throat> it goes like this. You, so you dedicate a lot of your time and attention to community work or have, and have done uh, throughout your career. I've always thought of motorcyclists as a, <clears throat> you know, as a relatively high-functioning community, at least by contemporary standards. <laughs> you know, <laughs> far from perfect, but at least we wave at each other. Um, and, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I wonder if you think that the world can learn anything from the motorcycle community and whether you think the motorcycle community has anything to learn from other communities of interest in the world that you've run across. Is that a crazy question? No, it's a it's a good question. Um, let me see. Well, you know, it it is. It, here's one thing that um, that can be learned from motorcyclists, but it's actually really, um, it, it's actually more an identity um, piece. And you've you've just uh, referenced it, and that you know that we do wave at each other right it's like hi i see you i see you're over there and you know as long as i've you know there's not too much going on i can uh you know i'll wave or whatever we might do two things that you know peace sign down up whatever might happen but it's acknowledging others yeah as you're um just passing them by um and certainly uh that is something that happens in uh other um other groups uh, certainly there's the talk about the nod, uh, but generally as, um, 
well, I identify as black. People might identify as another way. I, I identify as black. And certainly as other black folks, we might, you know, there might be a nod or an, it's just like, oh, I see you over there. You're black. Yeah, that's nice. Um, and I see you, which is the same as, oh, I see you over there riding a motorcycle. Uh, I'm here riding one too. I'm just going to nod or, well, or nod or say hi or whatever. Um, but it's really about just... Um, you know, taking a, um, a millisecond to acknowledge others, right? And um, we generally don't do that, depending on where you live, right? So yeah. I grew up in a, like my formative years were in a small town in Nova Scotia. We uh, we had barely, barely a thousand people. And then when, uh, then we moved, we left there and came to Toronto, Um but uh, and I have I had sort of over the years trained myself to, uh, you know, we have this thing in Toronto. I mean, I, you, you're in uh, you're a little north of us. Um, uh, and I don't know if you've been there all your life or you know, so I don't know how it works there. But certainly this thing like, yeah, you see another person. And then when you just get close enough, then you both shift your eye, avert your eyes. So no one has to acknowledge that there's another human being. And then when you get a safe distance past, then you start looking straight again. And that's just why you're, you're, you you learn that. And I had to learn to not say hi to people because I grew up in a small town. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward to, I moved back to Nova Scotia to take a role at um, Acadia university in the, in the mid nineties. And, um, you know, I'd now been it's I had now had been very good at not acknowledging other human beings. <laughs> and I can remember I was in at uh, Tim Hortons in the town and uh, guy uh, on my way um, in. He's like, hi. How? And it's like, I wonder if he's confusing me for someone else. By the way, there's like six other black people, so likely not. <laughs> um, but it was like, oh, that's interesting. I was like, oh, um, you know, hi. Uh, and then um, later, uh, later that day doing something, there was a, a male, a male carrier. I was in a car and the male carrier waves at me. And I'm like, who does he does he think I'm I must have thought the car I was in a rental you know maybe he thinks it's um someone you know someone else and then it's like me really no 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 it's in a smaller center recognizing I see another human being in front of me I'm gonna say hi yeah whether I know this person or not uh, you know there's no what does it take to say hi um so anyhow uh what's one thing that um I think we can all learn from um um Riders and other folks that uh, acknowledge others is just like take a second, yeah, right, yeah, um, and, uh, and and you know take a second and say hi, um, you know what what riders can learn from others. Well, you know in theory, <laughs> uh, riders are are part of uh, the rest of the world too. But in terms of any specific community in which uh, I you know in which I identify. I can't think of anything off off the top, but I can think of um, uh, going the, going the other direction, as I mentioned, things yeah. that folks can learn from writers. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I recognize what you're saying about Toronto. I mean, I have a lot of listeners there, and um, they're all amazing people when you meet them individually, but I, I do find it a cold city. I was there for, <laughs> for 30 years before I came up here, and this is oh. part of the reason why. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and, uh, no offense intended, obviously to the people oh, I, no, I hear you. who love it. Um, 
So, so I'm keenly watching the clock here, so I'm going to try to be efficient with, <clears throat> with your time. Um, but just a couple of things to sort of wrap this up. You earlier touched on a, sort of a sense of regret that you had about not having started riding sooner. And <clears throat> I feel that way too. I, I, I feel sad about the years that I didn't ride and knew better, and, honestly. And how old were you when you started? I was in my 50s. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a little bit past the middle. So, but, but I also feel, um, somehow like writing is what I'm getting back in exchange for that is that it's somehow sweeter for me, um, that my life is opening up, um, at a time when a lot of people I know for them, it's sort of the opposite. I think Melissa Pearson described it as being reborn. So I'll stop there and just ask if that resonates for you. Do, how do you do? You have anything to add to how you feel about finding this when you did? Um, you know, the word I used earlier was was liberating, right? And it was just it it is. Um, it, it it does open a new. I don't know if the word is dimension, but that's the word I'm going to use. I feel like it's opened up a new dimension. Um, through which to experience the world. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, at 46 or in your 50s, or, you know, we, let's, we've experienced a lot. Right. Um, and uh, to open up this new, this new way of new, new dimension to, uh, to life um, and, um, um, you know, how we might conduct ourselves, how we get around, what do we, what we do. Um, it's, I'm, I'm really happy. And, you know, well, A, you can go, as I mentioned earlier, you can go on all day, but we can't turn the clock back. Mm. And, you know, I think also um, at this age, I think there is a level of appreciation and um, and just uh, there's a, a, a an experiential appreciation that I might not have had in my, that I likely would not have had yeah. in my 20s or even 30s, right? So... Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I think it might've been just, oh yeah, of course I get to do this and that's the way it is. Um, but not to say that's why I sounded in my twenties, but, um, <laughs> uh, still, uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I really, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with, uh, you know, it is what it, whether I'm okay or not, can't change anything, but no. I am okay with it, uh, you know, coming across and finally it's not coming across at all finally executing on my desire long-held desire to to ride yeah uh finally doing it when i did and um as i said you know now that i'm here it's about what do i do with this now and i, I really feel that i have really um gotten a lot out of my um years 12 years of, of uh, no, it's 11 years of riding motorized vehicles and nine of riding a, a motorcycle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, I've been able to squeeze, squeeze what I can. I'm, <laughs> there's more to come. Uh, <laughs> and I uh, have my eyes on some, uh, a couple of different things to happen in the next couple of years. And so, and, uh, you know, it's funny, I came back from Nepal saying to my partner that, you know, I feel like now is the time to be doing these trips, whether it's Nepal, India, wherever it might be that require stamina. Um, you know, you're not relying solely on the power of the bike. You've got to have some power yourself. Um, uh, these are things I would like to be doing the here and now while I know I have the um, 
the ability to do so. And, um, you know, it might be later on in life when I do the, uh, you know, the BMW trips through the Swiss Alps that I was talking about, uh, when the bike can really do all the work and your, you know, skill, it's a number of other things, but you're not standing for hours or or anything like that. And, um, uh, yeah. And, and that's, that's what I really see my priority will be in the next few years is, uh, to the extent that I, I need to do rides that um, uh, that take some um, uh, fitness. Um, these are the things that I'll be trying to do now. Yeah. While I can. <laughs> yeah, which it makes practical, eminent practical sense. But I can't help but noticing that that it, it gives you a certain intensity about the way you look at the future, or at least sort of the, the middle future. Um I wonder if we didn't have this in our lives, if we would be feeling the pressure of living to the max quite the same way. While we can. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard to say. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, if it, I feel the same way about cycling. I feel like I, I, um, yeah, you know, it's, um, just recognizing. So I'm at a point in my life where I'm seeing, um, uh, that, you know, life, things can happen quick. Changes can happen quite quickly. Yep. Some, and some, you just want to hope. And we hope that, you know, the best of all worlds is that over time, our abilities diminish as we, but sometimes like it doesn't, it doesn't go that way. Yeah. Um, and there's something that presents itself in later life and it happens rapidly. And, um, you know, maybe you're still here, but your abilities are, are dramatically, um, impacted. And, um, you know, so I see that uh, in a way that I didn't see it in my 20s, 30s and 40s, which is good. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't aware of, of those things. But I, I am just uh, keenly aware that, yeah, you know, I can I, I'm, I'm healthy now. And so um, and that could change. Um, and, uh, I, so I feel that way about a lot of things, not just riding, not just motorcycle riding, but it's like, uh, cause I am still, um, physically active and pre pre COVID I was still playing, you know, touch football, flag football, you know, so I'm still, uh, still quite active, uh, in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and again, it's, it's just that feeling of I've got it now, so I'm going to use it now. Um, and, um, and, and if, if, COVID taught us anything. It's like, and you might think you're doing something tomorrow, but, uh, and you might, might even be healthy tomorrow, but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it. Yeah. You know, as we're probably all licking our wounds from our travel plans that had to get scuttled uh, in 2020 as we were seeking our money back because we couldn't go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's also that, you know, that's also has had an impact on how I view things like let's go now while we can. Um, and the while we can could relate to our physical ability or, you know, things haven't shut down this week. So, so, so let's go. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Catherine, I have so enjoyed meeting you and I've so enjoyed this conversation. I'm kind of inspired, to be honest with you. Um, thank you for making the time. And I hope if you're up this way sometime on a sunny weekend, uh, we can connect on the road. I'd love to meet you in person. 
That would be awesome, actually. And, you know, when we talked about having people to ride, you know, it's great that I have friends that ride there in Ottawa. So we don't, right. that's why we, you know, we do one, yeah, we do one trip a, a year. Um, but I'd love to uh, connect with you and certainly uh, have to keep in touch. Uh, that's for sure. But I, I really want to thank you for, you know, reaching out to me and that you would be interested in, in me and things I have going on such that you would want to chat with me. And so um, I, re- I really appreciate that. And that's been a, it's been a very, um, really enjoyable conversation. And, and a number of your questions have had me, you know, thinking, thinking, thinking about things that I haven't before in terms of, <laughs> you know, how, how um, writing is uh, figuring into my life and how, um, yeah, and the impact of that overall. So, so this has really been uh, great. Uh, thank you. Oh, more than welcome. My pleasure. I think people are going to, uh, going to love to hear it. So let's do stay in touch. And, um, you know, I hope the winter is brief and merciful. And uh, (laughs) stay safe out there. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Take good care, Bruce. And again, thank you for your interest. I I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye now. During our conversation, Catherine used the word liberating, and I was tempted to take that at face value. Riding motorbikes makes you feel free. But listening to our conversation a second time, I realized that the important part of that idea is probably the unspoken part. Free from what? Or free to what? Well, as sometimes happens, literally the day I began editing this episode, I received an email from a listener in Norway named Harold Saloum. Harold somehow found this podcast even before he got his motorcycle license, which he did only recently, also in his 40s. His passion and joy shone through every word, and you'd recognize it immediately, especially the part where he said, This is probably the most exciting thing I've ever learned as a grown-up. And that, it seems to me, is what motorcycling's late bloomers are really all about. The writer Anais Nin famously wrote, Life is a process of becoming, a combination of states we have to go through. Where people fail is that they wish to elect a state and remain in it. This is a kind of death. End quote. Well, that's what motorcycles liberate us from, when our lives are in danger of being safe and settled. They may not always be the wisest choice for an aging body, but riding one might be the safest thing you can possibly do for the soul that lives inside it. Well, thanks for listening. You'll find show notes for this episode at thismotorcyclelife.com, and while you're there, check out the Support TML tab. That's also how you can reach me if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, or a story to share. ThisMotorcycleLife at gmail.com works too. You can still find me lurking on Instagram where I'm at ThisMotoLife and where you can connect with many of the people I've interviewed for this podcast. This episode's playlist recommendation was a delightful find for a few reasons. One is the classic song itself, which I'll get to in a moment. The second was that it's performed by Toronto-based Juno Award-winning jazz singer Barbara Lika, who is a star. And maybe best of all, it turns out that Barbara's own life plan includes becoming a rider. 
I have the little motorcycle license book in my shelf behind me, she told me, with the hopes that someday I'll get my little Vespa. In mint green, as it turns out. The track is young at heart. Buy it or stream it wherever you like to get your music. We'll see you on the road, Barbara. And in the meantime, keep staying alive out there. Fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you. If you're young at heart For it's hard you will find To be narrow of mind If you're young at heart You can go to extremes With impossible schemes You can laugh when your dreams Fall apart at the seams And life gets more exciting with each passing day And love is either in your heart or on its way Don't you know?